When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Are you frustrated and confused about how to attract new clients? Nothing you have done is working, and you're tired of waiting for the phone to ring. Imagine learning the tips and tools that will help you get noticed and booked by your ideal client and paid what you're worth for your amazing services. Now's the time to make your dream a reality, and the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will teach you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to episode 206. I am your host, Anne-Marie Cross, brand and communication strategist, also known as the podcasting queen. Now, according to my guest today, the enemy of entrepreneurial success is invisibility. It can feel disheartening to see your competition get the headlines and get the interviews when you've got a better track record, you've got more experience and a greater understanding of your community's needs. Well, joining me on today's show is media training expert, Dale thomas Form. Now, aside from teaching at Small Business Administration in Los Angeles, he's also spent 12 years doing PR for himself and for some of the most influential people in the world, including billionaire industry moguls, academic thought leaders and international heads of state and he began his career in communication as a consultant at Southwest Airlines, a speechwriter in the House of Commons in the UK and in-house at Ticketmaster Live Nation. Now as an activist at the forefront of the conversation around gender equality and healthy masculinity, he has presented at the International Conference on Masculinities alongside leaders like Gloria Stenarm, Cheryl Sandberg and Michael Kimmel. Now gratefully his work has also been seen on CNN, CBS, Huffington Post Live, TEDx, dozens of top podcasts and blogs like Entrepreneur, The Huffington Post and MariaShiver.com. Now on today's show, Dale's going to share four secrets to attract high value publicity and how we can be seen as an expert in our field. Welcome to the show, Dale. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. That is an impressive lineup. Well, it's been quite a journey, and part of uh, the journey lately has been learning how to, you know, incorporate all of that story of who I am into one piece. And actually, just listening to you read it back to me, you know, sort of say my life back to me. Yeah. Um, it was nice, nice for me to go down memory lane as well. Isn't it interesting that as we do hear our story repeated back to us, we realize, oh my goodness, is that me that she's speaking about? I often get that from my guests and we realize just how much we've done uh, and, and exciting projects we've worked on. I'm sure you have the, the, the same feeling. One of the things you sent me through, Dale, and I wanted to just share this with listeners just to give people how much information is online and obviously offline too, making today's conversation so important. So you said that around 3 million blog posts are written every single day. That's from Technorati. 3.3 billion podcast downloads in 2015. And now, of course, one in five Americans listen 
monthly. That's from Pew. And thankfully here in Australia, we're becoming far more familiar with podcasts too. 7,000 magazines in the US, 15,000 radio shows in the US. That is a lot of noise, isn't it? It is. And it can feel like it's too big for people. And I think that's the first uh, secret to overcoming that um, being invisible problem. It's just realizing that there is so much media out there, but what you have to think about is every blog post that goes out, somebody wrote that and someone edited that and somebody posted that. Some website is dying for good content on a daily basis. Some podcaster is trying to create the best episode they can create right now in this moment. And so many entrepreneurs think their story is not big enough for those people. And one of the things I try to work with my clients around is just seeing that their story is useful and the, and it is the more you see that you can interact with media people like yourself, Anne-Marie, that, mm. that have this beautiful show that are helping people, um, the more you see your story as useful to the people who are making these shows and these blogs and these magazines and these newspapers, the better your story can get out there. So true. Something else I see, and you may have also heard this feedback from people, when we're looking at the messages and the voices that are contributing to the conversation, we can often have that reflect back on us. And it's like, is my story, well, you said, even worthy? But it really shows the importance of really defining what our unique message is going to be and what we're actually going to contribute to the conversation and and believe in that uh, and not kind of get swayed by what everyone else is doing. Do you find that too? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things people come up against is that they feel like they have to be perfect, like mm. their story has to be this huge world-changing story. And and that's not true. Most people really want to read stories about humans. They want to read yeah. stories about people that are imperfect, that are like them, or hear stories on podcasts or watch stories on TV. We want to see, hear, and read about people like us going through life. So if your story, if you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're sort of holding yourself back. I know. And, you know, something else that I often see too is not only are we waiting for ourselves to achieve success so that we can start talking about it, but one of the things that I find that a lot of people gravitate towards, the storytelling along the journey, so along the pathway, and by sharing the ups and downs, the wins, the, the looking back and the insights that we've learned, we almost become the hero for sure. But also, you know what, if I can do it, you can do it too. When we have that transparency but also sharing the journey the insights and the struggles along the way because we are more personable aren't we yeah I'll, well I'll tell you a quick story of my own so I started doing PR right out of school I spent years doing it and a few years into my career I found myself working for Barry Diller at Ticketmaster Ticketmaster everybody knows hmm. but Barry Diller if you don't know is the person who the character Mr. Burns from the Simpsons is modeled after ah. so I found myself working with Mr. Burns on a weekly basis he's the chairman of the company and I keep going in and going to these meetings and I'm writing speeches for him and one day I was sitting there this was in 2010 and I was helping him deliver an internal speech to the to all of the employees in Ticketmaster worldwide, 20 countries, a $9 billion company, huge, huge company. And he was saying to everybody in the company why it was important that he lay off a quarter of the workforce. Mm -hmm. Many of my friends, my colleagues, my mentors were going to be laid off, maybe even me. And here I was in the room 
with him and I can tell that the people in the room with him, the other, you know, um, C-suite leaders, they're all kind of smiling. And I recognize that I am using this power I have, this PR ability, this speech writing ability, I'm using this power to hurt people. And I, and, and I, I don't mean to be doing it, but I'm not helping people with my power. Mm. So I recognize then, like, if I want to write my own story if down the road, let's say I have a story out about me, I want it to be that I use my power for good, that I got my voice to help people in the right way. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people need to look at their stories and see those moments of, you know, those huge occasions that we changed our minds, that we made the impossible happen. I left the, the corporate world behind and started my own path using my PR skill set and built companies for myself, doing good, helping other entrepreneurs who are doing good for the world. So I, I think that most entrepreneurs need to see that as well. Which, which part of your story is epic, is huge. And I think when we are able to tell it in a way or share it in a way that people can relate to it, it can inspire and empower someone to be bigger, think bigger, take bigger action steps because of that. And it's incredible that, yeah, our voice, our message and our story can certainly impact lives in that way. So you've talked about invisibility being the first secret. What yeah. would be a second one? The first secret is that media is hard to get and so everybody then feels like oh well then i won't pitch you know i won't try the second secret or the second myth really is that you have to know someone right you have to know someone in order to get into the newspaper or mm -hmm. to get on a podcast or to get in a blog a, a big blog of some kind and that's actually sort of true but it's also false the most important thing is that your story matters to the audience Right. So I like to say if your best friend had a podcast and you pitched your best friend to talk about your, you know, your business or your story, they might say yes, but only if the story matters to their audience. Whereas you and I don't know each other, Anne-Marie, but I pitched you a story that I know is going to matter to your audience. Mm -hmm. So many of the people listening want more access. They want to be seen more. They want to be more visible. So the story is really what matters. And so what it what that means is if you want to be an entrepreneur who gets seen on TV, on radio and podcasts and print and blogs, you need to get your story into a easy to digest format, right? Something that goes one, two, three, here's my story. So that's the, the secret number two, get your story into a digestible format. Do you find, Dale, then that people who do share their story or, or their pitch with someone from the media, their story is too long, it's too verbose, and the, the journalist is just, uh, it's too overwhelming. So we really need to go yeah. back to the drawing board and, and make it concise, make it compelling. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can identify with this. I'm also an editor at the Good Men Project, which, if you don't know, the Good Men Project reaches about three to four million users a month. That's like Oprah.com level. Wow. So we, we do a lot of traffic. And so I get a lot of pitches as an editor. And the pitches that come to me that are clearly uh, designated for my audience, I can tell in one line, just in the subject from the email. And the subject in the email, this is a good tip if you're ready to pitch. The subject line in your email can have the title you're pitching in it. So if you pitch me an email and it says subject, here's the title and it's going to fit your audience, I'm likely to open it. But if the title isn't good, if your headline isn't good, 
I'm not even going to open it and I'm going to pass you over, not because I want to be cruel and not because I might not be interested in your story, but because your story hasn't leapt out to me. My grandfather makes this story easy to understand. He was a, a fisherman and we'd go out fishing. And I remember this one time we were out there for two, three hours and he's just reeling fish in all day and I'm throwing the, the line out and I keep not catching fish. Mm -hmm. And finally I said to him, I was probably 13 or 14. I said, how are you catching all these fish? And I'm not. And he said, I'm just reeling the fish in that want to be in the boat. <laughs> yeah. So make your headline so attractive that the editors, the producers like yourself, see that this is a fish that wants to be in the boat. Yeah. And it's important too, isn't it, that we really do research properly the audience, the stories that have been featured before, because I'm sure you've also gotten pictures which you can tell are just being mass sent out to anyone and yeah. everyone. And you can just tell that they haven't listened or they haven't read the content. And right. you know that their information hasn't been instructed. They don't understand your audience. That's also very important, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's actually something you have talked about before on your podcast uh, with another guest is about research and how important that is for anybody in business. Well, it's also true in this case. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't pitch anybody unless I did some research and found out, is this the right person? Is this the right fit? Is my story going to help their audience? If you come from that perspective, and maybe you feel this on your side, Anne-Marie, if you come from that perspective, it doesn't feel like I'm selling anything. The pitch isn't hey, help me. The pitch is, hey, we have a mutual audience. Let me mm -hmm. see if I can help you. Why don't we help each other, right? It becomes more of a teamwork play rather than an owing of debt or, a, you know, an exchange of service. Oh, it, it's absolutely true. And, you know, one of the things that I'll often say to potential guests, but even clients who are wanting to get out there, uh, whether it be their own podcast or be an interviewee on, on a podcast, is if you're providing a fantastic information, but the audience is, is, is not the right audience for you, you're not going to generate interest or leads and they will not potentially turn into clients. And so that, well, that was a waste of time. Well, you should have done some research first to find an audience who are going to be captivated by your message you are going to get value from what you shared so it'll be a win-win-win for everybody right yes and I think the the biggest thing you can learn from researching within media is if you look at let's say you wanted to be in Forbes let's say you wanted to be in Forbes magazine or Forbes.com and your business serves b2b clients in some way that's helpful to you know to businesses you go to Forbes and you type in what your business does and you see if there have been other articles written about your topic. Mm -hmm. Let's say your topic is um, you do Salesforce trainings. You, know, you teach people how to use a CRM like Salesforce. Well, if you type in Salesforce to Forbes, you, you're likely going to come up with a handful of other people who've written about that. What that tells you is that the headline or the angle that you're looking to push to pitch it has been picked up already. That means it's been successful. That means that you're on the right track. And so you can actually look at the format of other people's writing and headlines and kind of use it as a template for your own. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah, great, great, great idea. Just speaking about research, give us a little bit of a background, if you would, about you know when you if, when you're writing a speech for for someone, I'd imagine that the research you put into that wasn't just five minutes. You took time in order to really understand what it is that this speech, this story that you were sharing, or this person was going to share through your words. It would have taken time to plan that and research it, wouldn't it? It does. I wish I could spend more time on each piece that I do, to be honest with mm -hmm. you. I, I, I'm in this business because I like it. You know, I like reading. I like writing. I like studying. I like learning. And most editors, I think most producers of shows are like that. They want to know more. That's why they're in the media business. Mm. Um, a lot about a lot, right? Depth and breadth. So when you're doing research for your own pitching, when I'm doing research for myself, when I'm writing, yeah, I'll go by the next two or three books that are about a topic and I'll read them as quickly as I can so that I'm versed. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure that everything I create has depth to it. And, and I think every entrepreneur wants that. If you are trying to get your story out there, you want to make sure that you're taken seriously. You want to make sure that people see you as an expert. You can't go out there looking like you don't know what you're saying. So get really good at what you're saying. You don't have to be perfect. You can still be in the process of learning, mm -hmm. but I think having a fundamental understanding of whatever it is you're, t you're telling as a story, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really important about that is that maybe the audience may be slightly different in the demographic. However, the information that you are sharing is very relevant to them. So the stories that you will share, the examples that you will share, some of the statistics that you may share may be a little bit different. And then you can wrap your story around that to make it relevant because I've heard some horror stories where someone shared a joke or or something and it's completely gone the wrong way and they've ended up offending someone because they didn't do the research and the story that they shared was just you know offensive to, to that particular audience they should have found a different one had they done a bit of research so it is vital isn't it absolutely absolutely I, I used to write speeches in the house of commons for a member of parliament i was very young and I, as you can tell from my voice i'm american so that was a stretch by itself. Mm. I had to do a lot of research for not only every subject I wrote about, but even the the phrasing, the idioms, the difference in the way language is received. So I really had to do a lot of research and a lot of angles. For most people, you don't have to be that deep. You just need to really know your audience deeply, know mm. your audience well. I think there's so many good tools out there for that now. Yeah. Um, once you get to know your audience, then you find out who are their trusted media, and guess what? There's this middle layer that people forget about when they do PR and they do media. They think that they can just go straight to the audience. Well, there's this middle layer of curators, people like you, Anne-Marie, who know the audience better than I'm ever gonna know the audience. Mm creating a relationship yeah it's true and something that you know as you were sharing that and i noticed that you know previously you're a speech writer in the house of commons in the uk and i know that the uk and australia can sometimes have that similar dry humor and someone will yeah. will share a sarcastic joke and i've seen shows where you've had people from the uk share the same sort of a joke where Auss aussies would just laugh their heads off and people in the us <laughs> are going oh my goodness i can't believe that you said that so and and why i say that is because as we know with podcast hosts and with online digital media you know online magazines and so forth you do have an international audience often reading or hearing that piece so we need to be mindful of what we say um yeah and the expressions that we use so 
Yeah, great point. You know, I, I think it's great. Um, it's it's fun to learn. And, and if you're willing to, like I am, I'm willing to, to be the American and not know sometimes. Like, it's okay to say, I'm American. I don't know what that means in some senses. <laughs> yes. But I, I think, you know, when I was writing for the MP, I had to be more on the ball with that. But just as representing me, I want to be real. I want to be real online. I want to be real on your show. I want to be real in everything I do. And yeah, I'm also sarcastic, and I also tend to um, to ride with the British humor as well, so I'm good there. But but there are times when stuff goes over my head, and it's better to just kind of be in it and let it yeah. let yourself be human, mm-hmm. right? I think people get too worked up about looking perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, sometimes what I will do, and, and even sometimes the guests will come on board, and if they say something that I know that perhaps needs to be said in a different way, then I'll just prompt that guest and say, oh, so can you say that in Aussie Aussie language or Aussie lingo or something like that? And then we can, you know, both laugh coaching. at the humour. Love that. Yeah, you can coach me on that anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's right. And it's all good. I think, you know, sometimes um, it's the differences that uh, allow us to really learn and expand awareness about, you know, about other people. And, you know, in some instances, it's one of those things. We live in a world now where incredible media, you know, we're, we're able to connect from the other sides of the world. We have different beliefs, different values. And guess what? That's okay. I think when we can come to the table and have a conversation uh, about that, we can all learn and, and grow from each other's experience. So fantastic. So that's number three, myth number three. What would be the fourth myth? Right. The fourth myth is, well, the fourth secret is Mm -hmm. that you just need a great headline. And in order to do that, and I've sort of hinted at at that already, but the reason why you need a great headline is it is the, the book cover to your message. You know, people will judge you by this cover. If Mm -hmm. your headline isn't catchy enough, you won't even get your email open, your phone call picked up. People won't even start working with you. Mm-hmm. The headline is often, right, Amory? Right. If I don't oh, pitch yeah. a good headline to you, you're totally not interested in my story. Yeah. How do you, and this might be different for everyone, but you might have a system, I'm sure you've got a system that enables you to create a really stellar headline. Do you write your content yeah. piece first and then go back to your headline or do the headline first and let that direct the content? Sometimes I'll do it from both perspectives, but I like to start from the headline because for me that helps me choose the right tone of voice, the right tenor within the mm. within the post or within the piece. Yes, the way that I go about creating a newsworthy headline is I think there are three things everyone should know to do a good newsworthy headline. The first is that you need to know how to read your client's mind. Like whoever it is you're trying to pitch this story to get into their world, you need to understand them, that Mm -hmm. client. Mm -hmm. And so what I like people to do is to think about who is your ideal client? Who's the person you want to work with the most? Whether that's a a person within a business, maybe it's for me, it might be a training or leadership development person within a large company, or it might be for you uh, a consumer on the other end of a, of a, Amazon buying something, right? Mm -hmm. So you get into the mind of your client and start to think about what are their worries? What are their uh, frustrations? What are the things they're thinking about on a daily basis that they would like help solving? And you've already gone through a lot of this on your podcast, Anne-Marie, so I'm not going to spend too much time there. Just as the more you know your client's mind, the better your headline is going to start out. Because once you have their voice, their, okay, quote, let's say, um, I need to figure out how to train my dog because my dog is 
is running wild in my house. Well, I need to look that up. They're going to look that up and they're going to find the dog whisperer because that guy has, is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're going to find you if you're trying to, to train do- dogs and you show up in the places that they go looking. So that's the second step in creating a good headline. Um, the second step is you want to go to the audience's favorite media source and look on that source for the three or four headlines that match you. So they're close to your story. And just like we said before, use that as a template. Use the headlines that you see showing up winning already as templates for you. So if you were pitching BuzzFeed, you know that it needs to be a list, right? And there are certain places like newspapers, they want to have maybe a human interest story in certain sections of the newspaper. So you want to see how they're framing the headline, right? And that gives you kind of if this, then that format. And then the third thing and the final piece of this, which I think people forget, is that editor, an editor is going to actually read and take care of your story. So you need to learn to understand the editor's language. Mm -hmm. What is an editor actually looking to do with the headline? So you need to start to understand how editors think, what they think makes a headline newsworthy. And Anne-Marie, I think you do a great job at this. Every of the headlines I've seen come across your podcast, they all seem super relevant to the audience. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm using the one that you gave through because I loved it. Four secrets to attract high value publicity. That's what ambitious entrepreneurs are looking for. Yeah. And and the the good news is when you look at a podcast like yours, if, if, if I look down there and I see that you've got a lot of people I respect on your show, you've got a lot of people talking about uh, topics I know are relevant um, for entrepreneurs. So then I feel like I'm I'm really honored to be on your show. I'm in the right place. I'm I'm getting to help people. And if you're an entrepreneur like me, you want to be in the right place helping people. I have some tips on how to really understand an editor's language. There, there's a basic kind of sys- system for understanding what makes a headline newsworthy. Mm. Um, do we have time to go through that right now? Yeah, absolutely. And what we will do too, uh, Dale, is at the end of the show, let people know how they can get hold of you because I'm sure you've got lots of great articles or some checklists or something like that people can access and, and connect with you, yes, too. But yeah, for sure, share away. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I have video I can share. I have a couple of different articles I'd like to share with people. And if you're listening to this, I will also give you my one pager, the one that I used to send to Anne-Marie that she said, this is a great fit. So you know that it works. I'll send you my one pager so that you can kind of have it as a template for your own pitches. Yeah. So there are five basic areas of newsworthiness. One is timely. And this is obvious, right? Anything that's in the news right now that's happening today is timely, but there's a way to make this work for you in another way. The calendar tells us when things are going to be relevant by time. So the calendar tells you when goal setting stories are going to be relevant, right? In January, when love stories are going to be relevant, right? In February, Mm. um, around Valentine's Day, when you've got a holiday on the calendar that is relevant to your topic or a time of year that people are thinking about your topic, that's a time of year when you could be ready ahead of time pitch your story and be in the news and it will feel like it's timely, like it's breaking news. Somebody, somebody happened to be talking about in the U S anyways, we have tax season in April 15th, 16th. 
Uh, that's when everybody's doing their taxes. So in March, if you have a story about your financial services firm, hit the papers here, people are going to think, wow, you're a genie. You were reading my mind. Mm -hmm. So being ahead of time by looking at the calendar can help you figure out how to be more newsworthy in that way. Um, some examples of that, uh, I just mentioned, I actually use the goal setting process. Um, I do a goal setting class. So I pitched that to mariashriver.com and she published it. So um, yeah, that's a good one, right? The second is significance. So to make sure that your story is significant to the audience. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I uh, have a client who worked with me a couple of months ago, came into my class, I do an online class with people, and she is a wedding planner, but she specifically works with hotels and event services, you know, people, to attract more millennials to their business. So she pitched a headline, which was, what you don't know about millennial brides may be costing you business. Mm. That's extremely significant to anybody in the special events, services, catering, hotel industry. And guess what? Three of the top magazines in her industry picked her up, and now they have her on a series speaking about this, and they invited her to speak on stage at a couple of major conferences just about this topic, what wow. you don't know about millennial brides maybe costing you business. Hmm, that's so quite. significance. That's... Yeah, and then the third piece is proximity. So this sounds like geographical locations, right? If I'm in Melbourne, I should be pitching the Melbourne News. Mm -hmm. But it's possible that there's something else going on with proximity. I want you to think about your client when they get up in the morning, they, are, they get up and they're in a body and they go about their lives in a body and they physically go to some locations that might be similar to other people in your audience, like very similar. So um, I had one company that was all about the bedroom. They were like, we, we help you fix your bedroom so that you, apparently some people's bedrooms are arranged in such a way that it, it holds them back from having uh, good relationships. Mm -hmm. So they do consulting about how to arrange bedrooms better. So the bedroom is a location, it's a proximity, it's a thing that everybody is going into on a daily basis that they can talk about. That's extremely significant. Yeah. So proximity is yeah. the third. Now you can also pitch the newspapers around you, the, the radio around you, you know, and if you're traveling to a conference, let's say you live in Melbourne, but you're going to a conference in Sydney, you can pitch the Sydney news about the conference that's going on. You can say, I'm speaking at this conference or I'm going to this event. This is going to be top of mind for 2,000 people in your city and, and tons more. Um, this is relevant to you. And a lot of times this will work. I use this myself. When I go speak at major conferences, I will pitch the local papers and I almost always get some kind of pickup. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one, right? Yeah, it is. The fourth one is prominence. And this is how can you get a famous person or brand into your pitch, into your headline. So you want to think about your audience and who are the five most famous people that they think about on a daily basis. And for your audience, it's going to be different than my audience. But I'll give you an example. I have a client who does tax planning and financial management for African Americans who are retiring from government work. Now that sounds like a pretty niche group, right? Yeah. But can you think of anybody? Now he was this. This was last summer. He was starting to pitch. Anybody in who's African-American who is retiring from government work? Yes. 
Barack Obama. Yeah, right? exactly. Someone that was very <laughs> prominent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he said how Barack Obama can have a happy retirement. He pitched that to all of the uh, sort of African-American financial community, and he got picked up by several of the radio shows and the uh, podcasts. So he got exactly what he wanted by pitching something with Barack Obama's name in it. And but then it, the final it really, piece is... It really has to, of course. I know that some people are a bit cheeky and they put a prominent name in there, but it has absolutely no relevance to the story or what you're sharing. So you really do not have to be integral with that, don't you? There are ways to do that. Sometimes it's forcing it. Like if you're trying to force Kim Kardashian into one of your headlines, that might not be worthwhile. But uh, if what you have to say is relevant to somebody in the news um, or somebody in the news is relevant to your story, there's no reason why you can't talk about that. Um, My client didn't need to know Barack Obama to talk about the retirement process for somebody coming out of the government. It turns out Barack Obama's retirement package is very similar, if not larger, but very similarly structured to other people retiring from government work. Yeah, yeah. So why not? Absolutely. Uh, That's the fifth. And the final piece is human interest. And this is that the great stuff, the love stories, the transformation stories, the survival stories. And this is where if you're an entrepreneur, it's likely that you've overlooked some story of your own that can be valuable. Have you survived cancer? Have you um, had a long-standing relationship? Have you um, done some kind of amazing adventure journey that is relevant to your business? Those stories actually go pretty far. So for instance, I pitched the HuffPost masculinity column about my running with the bulls uh, in Spain. I pitched, I ran with the bulls, I ran with death, I ran towards life. It was just a pitch about masculinity is about kind of dealing with life and death and running with the bulls. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting about that is that people are kind of just interested in the idea of running with the bulls of life and death and, and dealing with something kind of big like that. Yeah. It's a human interest story. Mm. I had another client who's a professional cuddler. I helped him start the professional cuddling um, company called cuddlist.com. And he pitched a, a story called Pillow Talk with a professional cuddler to the New York Times, and it got picked up. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Just out, out of those five, um, I would imagine that if you do them, do it well, there may be one or two that you can integrate together. Obviously not all five in the one. But do you say that if you can, like they're like a timely and a prominent famous, you know, yeah. famous person can work really well. So it strengthens. Do you, have you done that too? I would imagine yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You're you're dead on. Uh, most people try to get two together, and that's why I, I coach my clients to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just one will often work, but getting two together makes you really powerful. If you can get three, wow, that makes a big difference. Yeah. This helps you speak the language of the editor. If you can pitch to an editor or a publisher or a producer and say, this is timely, I think this is a good story for your audience, or this is significant to your audience, or this is significant because of the proximity to your audience. Now you're speaking an editor's language. Now you're helping the editor see the newsworthiness of your story. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure that the the one that um, the, your client that was on retirement from people from the government, it was timely, yeah. it well significant to the audience, obviously, and also prominent. So yes. it ticked all of those um, three boxes. Yeah, exactly. 
Fantastic. Dale, you have just um, provided such incredible information. And I know this is something that so many people struggle with. You know, everything that you've said, I I know that I've heard, you know, it's difficult to get in front of a a journalist or a podcast host. I've sent lots of press releases, haven't gotten any responses. Well, maybe they need to go back and recreate a powerful, compelling headline or use some of these ways to really become newsworthy to a journalist. I know that we've only just scratched the surface how can people get in contact with you my company is called media for your mission so my website is mediaforyourmission.com. if you go there you'll be able to see all that I've done and how I can help you move forward this is not your typical publicist I'm not saying put a press release together and pitch it to thousands of people I'm saying create relationships with the media people the actual curators that can help your audience and get on the same team with them. Mm-hmm. And that takes target, targeted research, takes good practice writing, it takes creating a story that fits. So I help people through Media for Your Mission. I have a class that I help people with. And in that class, you get all kinds of stuff like your own media list. I help you put together your pitch for you. And if you go to Media for Your Mission, you can sign up for my list and I will give you my one pager, exactly what I send to people, and I will show you videos about how to get deeper into this so i'm here to help you be seen fantastic thanks so much for coming on the show thank you well that brings us to the end of another show as you can imagine you have probably taken lots and lots of uh, incredible notes but please reach out to dale find out more because this is such a great way to build relationships with um with journalists with podcast hosts who are really there creating a community and nurturing a community of your ideal clients and and communities. So certainly reach out. Now, if this is the first time that you're listening to the show, it really has been an honor to spend some time with you. Would love you to come back. We have other fantastic guests, just like we have had Dale on today, sharing their expertise to help you build a successful business. Um, If you have already subscribed to iTunes channel or to Google Play, fantastic. You'll be the first to know once a new show goes live. If you haven't already, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES iTunes and but click through on the show notes to be able to subscribe to Google Play but other than that fantastic have a great week everyone see you later Dale thank you Anne-Marie hi it's Anne-Marie have you enjoyed listening to the show and have thought about creating your own podcast so you too can become an influential voice in your industry, but you just don't know where to start? I've created a special gift just for you. It's my free mini training, Podcasting with Purpose, where you'll learn what you need to do to stand out, be heard and influence your audience from your very first podcast. I'm also giving you my step-by-step podcast production workflow checklist, including the tools I use, as well as a checklist of no-cost and low-cost tools to get you started. To access, go to annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. That's annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.